This is HRRN, Horse Racing's Voice. And Mystic Dan is turning it on in a huge effort for the Kenny McPeak Barn. Mystic Dan, five, six ahead, and he wins wrapped up a dominant win in the Southwest. At the 316th, Nysos blows by the competition and turns it on. Wind me up in a battle for second with Scatify. Nysos passing the two-turn test beautifully, geared down to stroll in by seven lengths. Welcome to the Equine Forum, presented by Twin Spires. And here comes Rombauer on the outside. Rombauer with good-looking strides. Javanika, the Philly, trying to hang tough, but Rombauer's up alongside these two to the finish together. Rombauer! Rombauer got there in a perfectly timed ride by Kyle Frey as they straighten away and sprint to the wire. It's destined between horses, surging to the lead from the outside. Rafting continues to run at him, but down to the wire. Dustin turns away the challenge of Repton, and Dustin will go on to take the Sam Davis by two and a half going away. Now, here's Mike Penna. Welcome back to the Equine Forum, presented by Twin Spires. Mike Penna, Baron of the Backstretch, turning for home in this week's edition of the program. And what a couple of hours it's been. If you weren't joining me for those first two hours of the show, you missed an awful lot. Talking about the big racing coming up at Tampa Bay Downs and Golden Gate and Santa Anita. And then looking back on last weekend's big three-year-old races as well. We have covered a ton of ground in the last 120 minutes and plenty more to come here in the final 60 as well. If you missed any portion of the first two hours of the show, head over to our website after I finish up at 11 a.m. Eastern. You can listen to the podcast whenever you get some time. You can do that at horseracingradio.net, and you can do it on every podcast platform. And continue to weigh in on today's poll question and follow us on social media at HRRN on Twitter, Horse Racing Radio Network on Facebook. Well, Hour 3 kicks off every single week with the Twin Spires Triple Play. In just a moment, I will welcome Joe Christofek to give you three races you can bet at Twin Spires this afternoon. Kurt Becker takes you on his weekly stroll through racing history at 10.20. And at 10.30, Dale Romans, Tim Wilkin will both be with me as we do every week for this week's I Ask, They Answer segment. And they'll talk about some of the hottest topics in the sport today, including are they buying or selling the winner's of those derby prep races last weekend. That's all part of the show coming up. But first, we kick it off now with the Twin Spires Triple Play. And as I mentioned, Joe Christofek with me again one week before the Risen Star Stakes at the fairgrounds. We, we were going to ask Joe to join us next week, but you know what? There is a lot going on in New Orleans next week, so I said, Joe, how about this weekend? And here he is for you, ladies and gentlemen, Joe Christofek. Joe, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Mike. Yes, uh, Sunday is Super Bowl. Monday is Lundy Gras. We race. Tuesday is Fat Tuesday. We race and uh, do what else, whatever else we're going to do on that day. Wednesday we rest, or should I say, work from home. Thursday, Friday we race, and then Saturday is uh, Louisiana Derby Preview Day. Risen Star Rachel Alexandra. You know, we talk about the Fairgrounds Oaks and the Louisiana Derby as our marquee races, but quite honestly, the Risen Star comes up better than the Louisiana Derby, and the Rachel comes up better than the Fairgrounds Oaks in most years because of the timing, the first 50 points races of the uh, 
Road to the Kentucky Derby in Oak season. And based on what I'm hearing in the draw uh, is Saturday today, um, it's just going to absolutely be uh, an, a lit race, for lack of a better term, in the Risen Star. Some of the better three-year-olds in the division plan on uh, either leaving their barns here in New Orleans or invading for that race. And uh, super excited about it. But like you said, a lot going on between now and then. Who's your Super Bowl pick? Man, that's a great question. Oh, God, I really haven't given it. Usually, Mike, and you know me, I have an opinion on these things by now. Yeah. And, and I've been pretty bad in the NFL playoffs this year, despite <laughs> feeling that I had, you know, quite a bit of knowledge of what was going on going in. Uh, I, you know, I want to say San Francisco, but usually in these situations when the game's pretty even, the better quarterback prevails. So it's a coin flip for me. Maybe I'll just bet on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's tough. It's a tough call. And I listen, I have friends on both sides of the aisle. I, ha- I know a lot of Kansas City Chiefs fans. I know a lot of San Francisco 49er fans. So I'm going to sit back and just hope for a good game. I've got several squares, pools that I've entered into, and hopefully we'll get lucky and win a couple of the pools. Yeah, I'll bet some props on some players. I don't think I'll make a significant investment on the uh, the game you know, look at the over and under maybe a little bit closer. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun either way. It's a really good matchup with a, you know, close point spread and um, obviously a lot, lots of extracurricular storylines, for lack of a better term. Yeah, plenty of things to wager on and plenty of things to wager on in horse racing this weekend too, including three races at the fairgrounds, which Joe has selected for you to play at Twin Spires later this afternoon. And Joe, you kick it off with race four. We'll go to race six and then race eight as the final leg of your Twin Spires triple play selection. So let's begin with that fourth race. It has a post time of 2.30 Eastern, that is 1.30 locally in New Orleans. Nine horses plus the main track only. The, the race is five and a half furlongs on the turf. It's a maiden special event. How'd you see it? Yeah, I've, I've got three races for you, Mike, and I guess we can call it the turf triple play this week because they're all on the grass and they're all square price horses, including the longest of the three, Miss Lilibet, who's six to one in the morning line. And if you look at her past performances, she's run seven times. The first race was sprinting on the turf at Horseshoe, Indianapolis. And she ran a deceivingly good, strong closing off the pace fifth that day at 23-1. to 1. The two turn races have been okay since the dirt race two races ago on December the 3rd, where she broke through the starting gate and was a non-factor. All the other two turn races are very similar. She's in position turning for home, and then she flattens out. So to me, you know, I think the cutback is going to be a big deal for her. I think speed figure-wise, uh, she fits pretty well. It's not a category that Brian Williamson has a big sample size in, but route to sprint is a good sample size for the barn. You get uh, Jared Loveberry, one of the best turf riders and riders in general in New Orleans, uh, to ride for uh, Brian Williamson with those Chicago uh, connections. And quite frankly, outside of a horse who I think is going to be an overbet favorite in Candy Bar, who is knocking on the door but just can't seem to break through, this isn't a very strong race for the level. I'm hoping there's enough speed signed on for her to make her late run. And I think at the 6th one in the morning line, she's certainly a worth the value. It seems like every time, Joe, we talk about a turf sprint race here in this segment or in any segment here on the program, I always have to mention the fact that quite often, contrary to popular belief, these five-and-a-half furlong or five-furlong turf sprints 
are not won by the horses that are the speed horses in the race. Quite often they're won by horses that come from further back because the pace simply sets up for them. And that's, of course, what you just mentioned with Miss Lilibet, hoping that will be the case with her at odds of 6-1 to one on the morning line. Um, at fairgrounds with these shorter sprint races on the grass, is that usually the case as well, where horses coming from off the pace will find their way to the, to the winner's circle? Yeah, I think it's a case-by-case basis, and sometimes it depends on where the rail placement is. The rail's going to be way out uh, for the races uh, today as we bring the rails back down to zero next week as we do on all of our big days. So I don't see a ton of speed signed on here, which could compromise our chances a little bit. But then again, in some of these races with younger horses who haven't necessarily developed a running style, you get a few unexpected ones that go. I think Fiesta Besta is probably going to be the pace setter in here. Hope she goes quick enough. Uh, Candy Bar will be in the chasing queue. But I think it's a race-by-race basis. And then, you know, looking at, you know, maybe how the turf course is played in the days leading up to it, where the rail is. Sometimes when the rails come down, Mike Speed can be really good because you got that uh, couple of paths of fresh grass down on the inside, but I would I, I would bank on a fair-playing turf course uh, going into today's action. All right, it is number nine, Miss Lily Bet, 6-1 to one for Joe Christofek in the first leg of the Twin Spires triple play on this Saturday morning. That's race four at the fairgrounds. Race six is the second leg that you've chosen, Joe. This is a claiming race, 30,000, one mile on the grass. As you said, all three of the races are on the turf. Um, another big field, 11 horses, two also eligibles. How'd you see this one? Yeah, I went to a horse that ran second last time. Ray handle with Billy's got issues. Ray brought a string uh, to fairgrounds this season. And although he's just two for 15 at the meet, he's got six other horses that have finished second or third. So the on the board percentage is high. Billy's got issues contributed to that with a second last out at this level. He got a, a good trip, a ground-saving trip, despite being in post position number 10. Uh, Jamie Torres was able to get him over to the rail, got a dream run up the rail, and wound up finishing second best behind a Alstall class dropper by the name of Just Battle, who uh, controlled the action up front, went gate to wire over a turf course that slightly favored speed. And I thought Billy's Got Issues ran great. It was four and a quarter lengths in front of the horse that ran third. I think when comparing this horse to the rest of the field and the expected price, uh, he's very inviting to me at four to one. I think he's the second choice in the morning line. Third race of the form cycle as well. A good jockey trainer combination. Lots to like about Billy's Got Issues. Just needs to work some kind of a trip here, and he's going to be a major force. Yeah, Billy's got issues four to one on the morning line and should be rolling at the end. At least that's what Joe is hoping for. Joe, if you're looking for another horse in here to hook up in an exacta or a trifecta, uh, one or two other horses, who else are you looking at? Yeah, I think uh, Professor Higgins dropping out of a pretty good A other than last time uh, for Louis Russell. Lost to Agent Creed was the odds on favorite. Straight and level pike place. Those are legitimate horses. Broke the maiden, maiden claiming 30 in the start prior. Now the third race of the form cycle for Louie drops back in for 30. A non-winners of two lifetimes seems to fit really well. And then Mauritius uh, for Tom Worley was the odds-on favorite at this level last out, but did not get a fair trip, was four wide on the first turn, was bounced around off the far turn. Uh, I, I think can improve a little bit. 
Um, was overbet last time. Might be a little bit of an overlay in this one, but I would say the main threat for me would be Professor Higgins. All right, that's race six at the fairgrounds. Race eight, the final leg of your Twin Spires triple play, and the the theme continues. Another big field here. This is a maiden special weight race. It is for the three year old boys. Mile and a sixteenth on the turf. Not likely that we're going to see these horses at Churchill on the first Saturday in May in the Kentucky Derby, but who knows? There are some really big grass races coming up, too, for these three-year-olds. We'll see if any of these youngsters can punch their ticket. But first, they have to graduate in their maiden race. Who do you see doing that here? Yeah, I went to the 10, Summer and Adrian, who sprinted on debut at Aqueduct, just missed, stretched out of fairgrounds in the second start. That was the day when we had a strong headwind in the stretch, so it was tough to make up ground. Uh, broke a little bit slowly, was wide. Had every chance that day and couldn't get past the long shot, McAvoy. But the horse that ran second, Camaro Z, came back to win, came back to run really well in a subsequent allowance start. And then Summer and Adrian cut back last out, Mike, in, a, in another sprint race for Tom Morley and put the blinkers on that day and did not have a clean trip whatsoever i thought it was a pretty good race for the level did not have a clean trip still wound up finishing third as the favorite and now stretches back out with blinkers on for the second time will show tactical speed i think the blinkers did help him that particular day and you look at the pedigree summer front out of a lemon drop kid mary and you certainly think two turns has to overcome post position number 10 but i think with that tactical speed will be in position to do so as a good rider to accomplish that feat. And Florent Giroux, who's good at getting horses out of the gate and in position in and out of that first turn. So Summer and Adrian, I do believe, will run the best race of his young career today. And I think the price will be good enough, 9-2 to two in the morning line. I'll ask you about another horse in here who is going to get some play. That is number 5, L. Alacron, uh, trained by Jose Camejo. Jareth Loveberry has the assignment last time out. Almost took the field wire to wire, got beat just a neck. Do you give any shot to this horse in this race? I do. Uh, yeah. And I got one other one besides him, but I'll, I'll, I'll mention why I like him. And obviously he's four to one. So, you know, like you said, he's going to get bet. He, he ran the best race of his life last out. The one thing I don't like though, Mike, and, and again, I'm not a trainer. I'm not with these horses every day, but it's, it's worth talking about. This horse was on the lead last time, got beat ahead. I mentioned Camaro Z and rock and roll. I thought this horse, Ella Lockron, was very game to the wire. I don't think he lost focus. You know, maybe Florangeru thought he did. Maybe Jose Camejo thought he did. But now he's putting the blinkers on. And this is not a horse that I personally would put blinkers on. They know more than I do. They're with the horse every day. But just watching that race, I thought he was super game to the wire. So we'll see how that plays out for him. And then the other one I wanted to mention was the uh, the number two, King Mendelssohn. Deep out the back closer who got his first turf try last time, and he basically lost all chance at the start. Made up a ton of ground late in that one when getting Lasix for the first time. I think turf is where this horse was born to be. Gets a second turf route try in this race for Kenny McPeak, and uh, David Cohen gets him out aboard King Mendelssohn. But at 6-1 to one in the morning line, he'll be making up ground, and I think he's certainly worth using in the gimmicks. Yeah, and, and I hope I'm pronouncing the horse's name right. El Alacron, is that correct? Uh, Mike, I, do you know who you're talking to? Your, your guess is as good <laughs> as mine. I butcher names all the time. It, yeah, I'm going to go with that. But it, And the, the reason I asked that question is because I want to ask you a follow-up on him. You mentioned Florent Giroux. 
riding him last time out. Florent is aboard your top pick now in this race, Summer and Adrian. So he's riding against Ella Lacron. Uh, do, do you look at that as being another plus uh, in the the win column for Summer in Adrian too? Uh, to a small extent, and I'll tell okay. you why. So, you know, maybe he would have given the call to Ella Lachron. Maybe John Panagot had to spend Kame- uh, spin Kameho. I don't know that for sure. But these are New York connections. Uh, Tom Morley, uh, John Panagot, the agent for Florent Giroux now is based in New York. So he's going to gravitate to his New York guys if it's a flip of the coin when it comes to a mount. Uh, I know John pretty well. I don't think he would spit anybody, but I'm sure he has to on occasion. But that would be my guess. If he had to choose and it was an equal choice, he would go with uh, the New York-based trainer that he has a, a better year-round relationship with. All right, Joe Christofek gives you three races you can bet at Twin Spires later today. Let's recap. He starts in the fourth race at Fairgrounds. He takes number nine, Miss Lily Bat at odds of 6-1. to one. Race six at the fairgrounds. Joe, you'll go with number three. Billy's got issues at four to one. And race eight, number 10, Summer in Adrian at odds of nine to two. Sounds like a winner to me. Yeah, I like all three of these horses quite a bit. And I know the last few times I've been on, I haven't been as potent as I normally am, Mike. (laughs) But uh, I'm looking to right the ship today. And I do like all three of these horses quite a bit. Nobody better. Joe, before I let you go, anything in particular folks need to make sure they know about at Twin Spires on this weekend? Yeah, there's just all kinds of great promotions. Uh, I know for Fairgrounds and for the Triple Crown in general, they're bringing back that profit profit boost promotion. I know they're going to have that for Risen Star. They got the winter bet back uh, that's ongoing, uh, different races every day. They've got a lot of great promotions on the harness side too so you know just go into the app check out which promotions best suit your wagering needs opt into those and sometimes when you do that you just don't even have to think about it so always great promotions to look forward to particularly when it comes to the the triple crown uh, races and the, the preps for the kentucky derby at this time of year joe i appreciate it enjoy that huge week coming up in new orleans and enjoy the risen star next weekend how about survive? I will enjoy, but uh, Sur- before I survive can enjoy, in I will advance. Survive. Yeah, there you go. Because <laughs> the Sunday night after Risen Star, man, we will blow it out. And we will enjoy ourselves. It's always gets it good to get through a, a week like that, you know, and uh, and celebrate your your accomplishments, so to speak. And looking forward to a next Saturday of Fairgrounds a week from today is going to be absolutely massive. Great to catch up, brother. Enjoy the week. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk again soon. Good luck at the windows. All right. Same to you, Mike. Always a pleasure. Take care, man. All right. That is your Twin Spires triple play for this Saturday morning. Bet those races at Twin Spires. Coming up next, Kurt Becker takes you on his weekly stroll through racing history. And still to come, Dale Romans, Tim Wilkin, with this week's edition of I Ask, They Answer. This is the Equine Forum, presented by Twin Spires on HRRN. Race to Twin Spires, where you can unlock a $25 risk-free bet. Just use the code HRRN25 when you sign up. And if your first bet doesn't win, Twin Spires will refund your account up to $25. Wagering on the app is fast with free pass performances, insider picks, and power plays every day you wager. Twin Spires. Download the app today to earn your $25 risk-free bet. Void where prohibited. For terms and conditions, visit TwinSpires.com. Must be 18 or older, 21 and older where applicable. For help with a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Airdrie Stud is proud to announce the arrival of grade one winning millionaire Happy Saver for the 2023 season. Happy Saver boasts one of the most important female families of the century as his third dam is broodmare of the year weekend surprise, dam of the legendary AP Indy. Undefeated in his first five starts, Happy Saver capped off his perfect four for four season with an emphatic victory in the historic grade one Jockey Club Gold Cup. And Happy Saver stays undefeated. He steps up and he wins the grade one. Jockey Club Gold Cup. Airdrie Studs, Happy Saver. Think about it. There's a corner of Kentucky in Bourbon County, which some refer to as the promised land. There's something in the soil and water that make it something special. So special that some of the world's greatest horsemen have staked their claim in the soil just outside of Paris. Iconic names such as Claiborne, Coolmore, Stone, and Darley grace the fence lines which have housed champions for generations. The name Alapa shines as a tribute to the Gilded Age, sharing the stature and grandeur of its neighbors. Born from the wealth, passion, and imagination of Edward Sims, no expense was spared to fulfill his vision. Sims was in the same league as John Madden and Arthur D. Hancock Sr. as a commercial breeder. The torch has been passed. Welcome to Hill and Dale at Alapa. You're listening to the Equine Forum on HRRN, presented by Twin Spires. Hello, I'm Kurt Becker. Thanks for joining me as I take another stroll through racing history, presented by Keeneland. He is one of only two Canadian breds ever to win the Kentucky Derby. He was called a $6 million gamble for his owner while his trainer gambled an entire career on him. And today he lies at rest on the grounds of the Kentucky Derby Museum. His name was Sonny's Halo. Fold on February 11, 1980, Sonny's Halo was a chestnut colt with a blazed face. Born at Winfield's Farm in the Canadian province of Ontario, he was bred and owned by Toronto stockbroker David Foster. His sire, Halo, stood in Maryland for a fee of $7,500, while his dam, Mostly Sunny, was a mare whom Foster had purchased for $3,900. Trained by Canada native David Cross Jr., who had been an American citizen since 1954, Sonny's Halo won four stakes at Woodbine as a juvenile in 1982 on his way to earning a sovereign award as Canada's champion two-year-old male. Those stakes wins came by a combined margin of 25 lengths. The connections of Sonny's Halo decided to try for an Eclipse Award as well, and so he raced in four graded stakes in the U.S. at two, but he finished off the board in three of the four. When asked what had happened, his trainer said, We got greedy. It happens to everybody at one time or another. Cross was a man who had taken a huge gamble with Sonny's Halo. When the Colt first came to him, he had a stable of 35 horses, but he knew by the end of 1982 that Sonny's Halo was a talented but troubled Colt that had sore ankles and shins and would need a great deal of attention in order to reach his full potential. He focused so much on Sonny's Halo that other clients began pulling horses from his barn with no argument from Cross. His public stable soon dwindled from 35 horses to two. In November of 1982, Cross went to Southern California to give Sonny's Halo a five-month rest. He did not race him during that time, but instead put him in the swimming pool for therapy on a regular basis. 
This led at least a few members of the press jokingly to refer to Sonny's halo as the champion swimmer in Cross's barn. In fact, Cross soon came under considerable criticism for his entire game plan for getting Sonny's halo to the Kentucky Derby, which, to be certain, was the goal. How could a horse be fit which was swimming but not racing? And then Cross announced he was only going to race Sonny's halo twice before the Derby. This despite the fact no horse since Jet Pilot in 1947 had won the Roses off just two prior starts in his sophomore campaign. As if that wasn't enough, Cross added that he would not be sending Sonny's halo to the traditional derby preps. He would not be running him in the Santa Anita Derby or the Wood Memorial or the Bluegrass. Instead, he would send him to Oaklawn Park for the Rebel Handicap and the Arkansas Derby. The entire plan, at least according to the racing world of 1983, seemed preposterous. Except it wasn't. With jockey Larry Snyder aboard, Sonny's Halo won the Rebel. And three weeks later, with Eddie Delahousie in the irons, he won the Grade 1 Arkansas Derby before a crowd of 67,000. And so it was on to Churchill Downs. The 109th running of the Kentucky Derby went to the post at 5.38 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, May 7, 1983. Fans made Sonny's Halo the second betting choice at odds of 5-2. to two. Eddie D., who had won the Derby the prior year on Gatto del Sol, was once again in the saddle. Ominous storm clouds cast a darkness across the track as the horses headed to the gate. Mike Battaglia gives us the call. They're moving for the stretch. Sonny's halo on the inside has his head in front. Desert Wine is second. Highland Park's still right there. Now coming up on the outside in gaining ground. Slew of gold. Marfa on the extreme outside. Down the stretch, it's Sonny's halo on the inside. Desert Wine is second. On the outside, Marfa. Up between horses. Slew of gold and Fellow. They're nearing the finish. It's Sonny's halo. He's going to win it. Sonny's halo wins it a length and a half. After breaking near the front of the pack and then taking the lead on the back stretch, Sonny's halo had dug down and drawn clear in the stretch to become the first Arkansas Derby winner ever to win the Kentucky Derby. The press called it a $6 million gamble on the part of owner David Foster, as he had rejected an offer of $6 million for a 50% interest in the horse just 48 hours before the race. Sonny's Halo would run sixth two weeks later in the Preakness, an effort perhaps dulled by treatment for a skin rash. He skipped the Belmont, injured an ankle in Chicago in June, and suffered a total of four consecutive losses before bouncing back to win the Super Derby at Louisiana Downs in September by a dozen lengths in track record time. Retired in November of 1983 after sustaining a hairline fracture of an ankle, Sonny's Halo began his stallion career in Kentucky for a fee of $35,000 before later moving to Texas and also shuttling to Brazil. By the time of his death in June of 2003, at the age of 23, he had sired 36 stakes winners and 13 graded or group stakes winners. Buried originally on a farm in Texas, Sonny's halo was exhumed in 2006 and reinterred on the grounds of the Kentucky Derby Museum, where racing fans today can visit his grave and pay their respects. A columnist for the New York Daily News once wrote that Sonny's halo was a big gamble that paid off a roll of the dice that turned up a four and a three. And he proved that one did not have to follow a time-tested formula for winning the Kentucky Derby. Please join me again next week when I take another stroll through racing history presented by Keeneland. For HRRN, 
I'm Kurt Becker. And once again, my thanks to Kurt and to Keeneland for making those segments possible each and every week. If you have missed any of Kurt's Stroll Through Racing History segments, all you have to do is head back over to our website, horseracingradio.net. You can check out the special podcast page dedicated to those stories and listen to every single one. There have been some amazing ones. Go back and listen at horseracingradio.net. When I come back, Dell Romans, Tim Wilkin, they will be here. It is this week's edition of I Ask, They Answer. This is the Equine Forum, presented by Twin Spires on HRRN. Race to Twin Spires, where you can unlock a $25 risk-free bet. Just use the code HRRN25 when you sign up. And if your first bet doesn't win, Twin Spires will refund your account up to $25. Wagering on the app is fast with free pass performances, insider picks, and power plays every day you wager. Twin Spires, download the app today to earn your $25 risk-free bet. Void were prohibited. For terms and conditions, visit TwinSpires.com. Must be 18 or older, 21 and older where applicable. For help with a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. A reputation of excellence isn't built overnight, day by day, year by year, decade after decade. For over a hundred years, Claiborne's commitment to quality has led to unrivaled success. Ten Kentucky Derby winners, six Triple Crown winners, 17 Horses of the Year, 23 Hall of Famers, and over 300 champions. Building on the past, building for the future. Claiborne Farm, the tradition continues. There are plenty of thrills at Gulfstream Park with live thoroughbred action Friday through Sunday and simulcasting seven days a week. Join us on track for weekend stakes races, dine trackside in 10 ponds with an elevated view of the track, and grab a cool cocktail in the Carousel Club. For reservations, tickets, and more, head to GulfstreamPark.com. This is I Ask, They Answer on the Equine Forum on HRRN. Fierceness not out of second gear yet. They went three quarters and Fierceness goes to the first finish line trying to put Hades away. Gaffleon getting a response from domestic product and it's time to go to work for the two-year-old champ. Fierceness is off the turn but he's not home yet as Hades is dead game and battling back. Off-cover domestic product is charging hard. 16th to go. Fierceness coming up empty now. Hades has the lead. Domestic product is out of time. DJ Stables, Hades wins the Holy Bull under Paco Lopez from Domestic Product second. Fierceness, he was empty. He finished third, 146 left. Diello with the call of Hades upsetting Fierceness and everyone else in last weekend's Holy Bull Stakes at Gulfstream. Are Dale and Tim still buying the juvenile champion? Plus, which Super Bowl-style prop bets would be fun to see at this year's Kentucky Derby? And is it possible Nysos could force Churchill Downs to lift the ban on trainer Bob Baffert? Those topics and much, much more are straight ahead on this week's edition of I Ask, They Answer with trainer Dale Romans and turf rider Tim Wilkin. And it's all presented by the University of Louisville Equine Industry Program and the College of Business. And it all starts just 30 seconds from right now. 
Learn the business of horses in the world's only accredited equine business program, the University of Louisville Equine Business Program. The University of Louisville has a legacy of excellence educating and developing industry leaders for over 35 years. Classes are taught by industry experts in state-of-the-art facilities located in the heartland of America's equine industry. The University of Louisville Equine Business Program. When it comes to horses, we mean business. For more information, visit business.louisville.edu slash equine. All right, guys, a lot to get to here on this week's show, but we're going to kick it off with a segment that we haven't done in a while. We're going to bring back buy or sell, and I will ask you about each of the four three-year-olds that won their derby preps last weekend. You tell me if you are buying or selling them at this point sitting here on February 10th. And we're going to begin with Uncle Heavy, who got his nose in front at the wire for a 9-to-1 upset in the Withers at Aqueduct last weekend. Are you buying or selling Uncle Heavy, Tim Wilkin? Well, I'm going to sell. But I'm going to root for this guy. Uncle Heavy, you know, he's from a barn from Parks, from Butch Reed, who's a character down on the park circuit. And this horse, you know, he made up three and a half lengths in the final eighth of a mile and had to have been a tiring, muddy track. Um, he showed that he might want to go a little, go longer, but you know, the Withers has never really floated the boat for Derby winners. Um, there's never been a Derby winner that came out of the Withers, unless you go back to the days of Sir Barton and Count Fleet, the triple crown winners, they, they won the Withers, but they, they won it after they won the Derby and the Preakness. That's how, how durable those horses were and the schedule was back then. But Uncle Heavy, you know, Pennsylvania bred. There's been two Pennsylvania breds that won the Derby, last one being Smarty Jones. Uh, this horse is named for Butch Reed's brother, Mark, and also who's a trainer, who was a heavyweight wrestler in high school, hence the name Uncle Heavy. You know, he'd have to make some big steps up for me. And um, I think he's going to be He's a nice horse. But uh, he's got to show me it again, so I'm selling. But I'm rooting. Well, I'm going to sell, but I'm wishing the best of Butch, and I'm not going into all the details. You did. You took up a lot of my time there But uh, <laughs> to talk about this Pennsylvania bread. But uh, weak race, bad race, nobody in there is going anywhere, I don't believe. So I guess you you're selling. You don't want me to talk as much, huh, Dale? Well, no, well, you can talk all you want. I'll sit on the sidelines and listen, too. <laughs> So I guess you're selling Uncle Heavy, Dale. He's I like He's the name, though. All right, Uncle Heavy, a sell for both Dale and Tim. How about this one? At Oaklawn, Mystic Dan left little doubt about the best horse in the Southwest Stakes. He won by eight lengths at odds of 11-1. to 1. Dale, are you buying or selling the Ken McPeak trainee? I'm a lukewarm buy on that horse. I thought he was very impressive. Um, oh. I stepped on this cash register. I thought he was impressive. I'm gonna I'm gonna put a buy in and hope Kenny makes it to the Kentucky Derby. Eh, I'm gonna sell. Um, you know, yeah, he was impressive in the south in the southwest for sure. And that was on a sloppy track. Uh you know, another sloppy track. The question I have with Mystic Dan is, did you buy Golden Sense, who 
you know, I think there might be some distance limitations with him. I mean, his sire ended up winning the dirt mile twice in the Breeders' Cup. Yeah, I'd love to see Kenny McPeak win a derby. Um, but I'm going to have to uh, sell on this one as impressive he was in that race. He's another one that has to show me it again. But, he just, um, he I'm just sell, won a great stakes by eight lengths. I mean, how do you I not know. buy this horse? He was 11 to 1. Sloppy track. Breeding. Mm. D- does that say more about the competition he was facing? Or is that, it sounds to me like, Tim, you're not thinking he beat a whole lot either. I don't think he did. But he but he did win. He beat the horses that showed up. So, yeah, you've got to give him props for that. I just think moving forward, I, I would be selling. I'm not saying he's going to – and we're talking about talking about Kentucky Derby. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be not going to be a nice horse down the road, but I just don't think it's going to be on the first Saturday of May. So I'm selling. And I'm All a right. McPeak fan. I like, I like Kenny. All right. And, Dale, you're a lukewarm buyer. Lukewarm buyer. All right. Well, how about the Robert B. Lewis winner at Santa Anita? That was Nisos, who continued – to dominate his rivals. He won the way you like to see a heavy favorite win by more than seven lengths in his three-year-old debut. And as of now, he can't compete in the Kentucky Derby. But should we be buying or selling Nisos? Tim Wilkin. I think that's a no-brainer. you got to buy him. I mean, it's uh, he he's shown right now, and again, I don't know what he beat behind him, but uh, he, he, he is one is three starts by combined 26 and change lengths. And they're not even sure if he's the best horse in the Baffert barn of the three-year-olds. He's got another one that he's running Sunday in Lawrence at Santa Anita named Maymun, who uh, broke his maiden last month by seven and a half lengths. So, but right now, I mean, Nysos, looks to me like he has the rest of these three-year-olds over a barrel, especially after what happened in Florida with Fierce's. Yeah, definitely by, um, I want to talk about prop bets later in the show, but I'd like to make one right now over and under three lengths in the Preakness. Mm. We might not be able to use him in the Kentucky Derby, but he'll be ready come Preakness day. Do you think Dale, there's any chance that Nisos, if he continues to dominate his competition in these upcoming derby preps, that he almost forces Churchill's hand and says, you know, hey, you need me in there. I'm the best three-year-old in the country. If you, if you, For the integrity of your race, the greatest race in the history of thoroughbred racing, you need me in there. Do you think that Churchill gets their hand forced and lifts the suspension of Bob Baffert? Do you think that happens? I want to talk about that a little later, but I don't think they will, but I think they definitely should. They're they're a stubborn group over there. Tim? I agree with Dale on that. I don't think there's any way in hell they're going to uh, to change their minds on this. Um, they're not going to cave in on this. This is, like, yeah, stubborn's a really good word for it. They're, uh, they're not going to – if they come out and say, okay, yeah, we got to let Bob Baffert in because he's got the best – three-year-old or maybe three-year-olds and you know that's um to them it would be a bad look for them to say well we're gonna let bob in even though they should but um i just don't see them doing that and you know it's it's 
it, it's petty, it's stupid, and it's childish, but um, that's the world we're living in. See, I look at it differently, Tim. I think they actually save face if Bob has a couple of the top three-year-olds, and there's no doubt that they're better than the other three-year-olds competing in other parts of the country. If they lift that ban and allow him to run those horses in the Kentucky Derby and they, they spin it as, hey, we want the best 20 horses in this Derby field, I think they save face a little bit. I, I think by keeping them out, then it makes them look extremely petty. Well, I don't think they're going to spin it that way. I just I just think that's the way that they roll. And um, it, it's it's unfortunate for the game because, you know, it's uh, you want to have the best horses – run in, tra- in training running in the best horse race that we offer and mm-hmm. the Kentucky Derby with is going to have such a pomp and circumstance with, with you know race number 150 um it's it's going to be a little bit of a hollow feeling I think when, when, when the, the best horses horse or horses are not there yeah you know what the the disappointing part is too it, let's say this plays out like this and Bob has Nisos and a couple others that are far superior uh, in these Derby prep races, um, and, and the winner of the Kentucky Derby wins, wins impressively. However, he wins. He wins the Kentucky Derby, goes on to Baltimore, and gets beat by one of those Bob Baffert horses. Uh, people are going to say, well, yeah, he won the Derby, but he's not really the Derby winner because Baffert's horses were better anyway, and they would have won the Derby if they were in there. And, and that's not fair to that horse that wins the Kentucky Derby either. No, it's not. Y'all are, y'all are killing my final thought here today. <laughs> no. <laughs> Dale's got, he's being got very quiet now. Written in, written, I got the whole script written in front of me, and y'all just went through it. <laughs> well, you, well, you can put a different spin on it. You always do that. You're good at that. I'll figure something out. All right, we'll get to that here in just a little bit. We've got a couple more horses to talk about in this buy or sell segment. Then we're going to move on to our good friend Nick Zito. But let's talk about Hades for a minute, who turned back all challengers to win the Holy Bull. Uh, Dale, are you buying or selling the undefeated Florida bread? No, I like him. Nice horse, but I'm I'm selling him. I think that that race just fell apart. I think he was uh, opportunistic. Tim, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy Hades. I mean that's uh, I mean he, he yeah he did was able to uh, set those fractions and then hold off fierceness. I mean, on the turn it looked like fierceness was gonna go by him, but he didn't. Um, and it's kind of nice to see Joe Orsino have another big horse because you know he was a major player on the Triple Crown circuit in the early 2000s. We had Red Bullet. And, um, you know, I think that uh, he's three for three now. He won that race by two lengths. He looks like he's a horse that's going to improve as he moves on. And I'm, I'm interested to see what he does in the Florida Derby, if, see if uh, there's a rematch with Fierceness. Dale, why do you use the term or the word opportunistic? Well, I just don't think Fierceness showed up. I don't think that. You know, he looked sluggish breaking. There wasn't anything happening to break. He just didn't come out of the running. And Johnny tried to get him in the race, and I didn't think at any point in the race it looked like he was going to win. And uh, so I don't think he caught him on his best day. Well, that and outside leads me, of that, I didn't think there was a lot in there. Yeah, that leads me in perfectly, down to the final buy or sell topic here. And Hall of Fame jockey John Velasquez did say after the race when he was asked about fierceness that he just wasn't there for him when he asked him to run. And it was very disappointing. Um are you still buying 
the juvenile champ, or does his performance mean, hey, it's time to put out the for sale sign and do it as quick as you can? No, I'm still buying him. I'll stay on his bandwagon, give him another chance. We saw him run bad the, the race before the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and he bounced back from that. And uh, Todd knows what he's doing. He'll get him sharp again. Tim, how about you? Oh, I'm I'm uh, buying. Still for a sure, buyer. For sure. For, still a buyer on him, yeah. I mean, he was, you know, yeah, he was written off after uh, the champagne, and that was after he romped in his maiden at Saratoga, and he was being, you know, he's being called the next wonder horse. Um, you know, and then, you know, kudos to the connections for having the confidence in him after that champagne dud to come back in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and look what he did there. Yeah, every horse isn't, isn't again, it's all the old adage, these horses aren't machines. There's going to be some days when they don't feel like running, and maybe the three-month layoff got to him a little bit. He needed the race. Um, I, I, I'm giving him another chance, and, you know, I, I don't think he's my horse for the Kentucky Derby because there's too much to overcome with the the Breeders' Cup juvenile jinx, if you will. Um but I think there's talent there, and I think he's still going to show some. All right, that is buy or sell. I'm sure we'll do that again after another big round of Kentucky Derby preps or Oaks preps or whatever the case might be over the next couple of months. But it's time now to move on and welcome our good friend Nick Zito to the program as you guys get to tell me if the following statement is right or wrong. Yeah, right or wrong. Am I right? What do you think? Right or wrong? I think you're always right, Nicky. Thanks for doing that for us, my friend. Uh, here you go. Following his 12-length romp in the Pasco Stakes last month, Bookham Dano would have been among the favorites in today's Sam F. Davis at Tampa Bay Downs. Instead, his connections have opted to send Dano to the $1.5 million Saudi Derby on February 24th. That's a move I say eliminates the talented gelding from any shot at the Kentucky Derby. Am I right or wrong? What do you think? Right or wrong? Tim, am I right? You're absolutely right. I mean, before uh, they even ran in that race, they Derek Ryan and his people were saying they had no Derby dreams at all. They were aiming for the the race at Saudi. They don't. They never even thought about uh, the Kentucky Derby. So they're going to go over and run for 1.5 million on the undercard of the Saudi Cup day, and you know, go for go for that pot. But yeah, this New Jersey bread is. Um, it has no derby dreams at all. And, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, too bad. But uh, you do know how this horse got his name, right? You guys do know that, right? No. No, tell us. Remember the old show, Hawaii Five-O? Yes. With Steve McGarrett, Jack Lord's character at the end, when he always caught the criminal, he say to his partner, who was Dan, he'd say, book him, Dano, and that was always the end of the show. That's how he got it. <laughs> well, I knew he was named well, for that, that history particular lesson. phrase, but I, I thought there was more to that story, Timmy. That's all there needed yeah. to be. I mean, I, I am the king of worthless information today. <laughs> but Bookham Dano is what Steve McGarrett said at the, when they when they caught the bad guys on the islands in Hawaii. Bookham Dano took him to jail. End of story. Next week, we'll see you later. That's information we didn't need. Well, now you got it. You can use it on your friend at the cigar shop today. All right. Dale, what do you think? 
I think that, uh, yeah, but I, I kind of like the move. They know their horse. Maybe their horse, was, they don't think is ever going to be a derby horse, even if he stayed here. So they took themselves out of contention. They're going to have a good vacation and maybe pick up a big check. Yeah, we'll see. We're, we wish Bookham Dano all the best in Saudi Arabia. Uh, again, he would have been maybe the favorite, not even among the favorites, but the favorite in today's Sam F. Davis. And uh, they opt not to take the derby trail with him. Um, you know what they could say, Mike? They could say for we could change that saying that name as saying for if you want to make a bet with Dale, book it, Dale. Mm. You know, booking's illegal on the racetrack. I'll throw you off for that. Well, we're just talking here. <laughs> okay. Yeah, talking about national listening. radio. Love it. Right. <laughs> All right. We'll welcome better, Nick back to the, the doors. We'll welcome Nick back to the show next week for that that segment with a couple more right or wrong topics but i i want to have some fun for the rest of the show tomorrow's super bowl is obviously the biggest sports betting event of the year partly because of the various novelty bets that are made available and everything from the coin toss to the color of the gatorade that's going to be poured over the winning head coach all of those kind of things are things that can be wagered on so before i get your picks for this year's super bowl uh i thought it would be fun to talk about some potential horse racing novelty prop bets and which way you guys would play them. So let me throw a couple at you. If you have a couple more you want to throw out there, we can do that too. Um, But since the Kentucky Derby is kind of our Super Bowl, we're going to focus on that race. And here's one for you. The playing of my old Kentucky home will be over or under one minute, 27 seconds. Dale, you're a Louisville native. What say you? Over. Let's keep it long and slow. That's one of the best parts of the whole week. I'm going over on that bet. No, of course I had to do a little research on this. I looked up a bunch of uh, <laughs> a bunch of my old Kentucky homes as they played played it when the horses are coming out of the tunnel, and I came up with four of them, and they all came in at exactly. One minute and 26 seconds by my watch. So I guess it's not official, but I had four of them at 126. I mean, usually it's it's the Louisville band and the Louisville choir. Last year, the Louisville choir didn't sing. So I think it was a little even quicker than without the singing. But I am going to take the under by a a whisker. I'm going to say 126, as long as the Louisville choir is singing. So I, I'm not far off with a minute 27. That's that's no, a pretty a good, good line. line. Yeah, good okay. Line. All right. Who, who, this, wrote, who wrote my old Kentucky home, Tim? We've already went through that. I've, I'm not going to lose that again. Stephen Foster. There the you go. Song, I wonder if you remember. State song of Kentucky. Exactly. Bardstown, Kentucky. Stephen Foster. Yep. All right. How about this one? A full field of 20 horses will break from the starting gate in this year's Kentucky Derby. Would you take yes or no on that one? Tim? I'll say no because the last, well, the last 30 runnings of the Kentucky Derby, 10 times there have been 20 horses that got in the starting gate. I mean, last year there was 18. There was five scratches. I mean, I remember that debacle. Um, that was the most horses that were ever entered, entered in the Derby, 23. But, um, you know, I, 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 historically, I think that there's always a horse that's going to come out. 
So I'm going to say no, there will not be 20 in the starting gate. Hmm. I'm going to say yes. Even though they're entering a week out, that gives more time to have horses, something happen to a horse. So I have the three also eligibles, and I don't think we'll see what we saw last year with five scratches. So I want to say yes, 20 horses this year. I hope it's not five scratches. What would you do with this one? The winning Kentucky Derby owner will be wearing a tie when he comes to the winner's circle or she comes to the winner's circle. Yes or no? Dale? Yes. Yes, everybody (laughs) wears a tie on Derby Day but me. I'm going to say no. I think people now, don't wear ties anymore. Um, it's, uh, I mean, it's it, it obviously depends on who wins it. If you get, uh, you know, a lot of the younger people don't wear ties anymore. It's, uh, it's just not the look. Um, if it was me, I'd wear a tie, but um, I just don't think that they're going to wear a tie. I think, I think the winner does not wear a tie this year. Hopefully, he doesn't wear a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're down to like three minutes here in the program so i'm going to rush through the next one then we'll get to your final points uh the winning margin of kentucky derby 150 i'm going to set that at two lengths are you taking over or under dale romans i'm going to go under because i want to see a tight race somebody i know that historically somebody wins pretty pretty easy but i want to see a tight race a head bob stretch duel horse closing getting up the last jump something exciting Grindstone Cavanier like exactly that was a great one I'd like to see that too although 10 of the last 20 have all been um, 10 of the last 20 has been a length or less so there's apples and oranges here I but I'd like to see a close finish too but I don't know if we will who are you taking in the Super Bowl tomorrow Tim I'm not going to go against Patrick Mahomes and, and I believe he's getting points so I'll take him all day. All right, you gonna? All right, we're doing this with the points too, so two plus and two half, and right? a half for Kansas City. I'm taking that, Dale. All right, I'll I'll, I'll take I'll take I like San Fran. I'll take I'll give up the two points and play for dinner. Derby week, you got Tim's it. in town. All right, all right. You got it. Frisco minus two and a half, Kansas City plus two and a half. Dale is on Frisco. Tim I didn't say two and a half. Patrick I Mahomes. said half. I said I said two. There's no hook involved there. Nope. The line's two and oh, a half, Dale. Man, they gotta take you got the hook. Your own line. <laughs> they got to win by three. <laughs> okay. All right. Time for one final point. Uh, Tim, why don't you take it first this week? You know, I was a little sad last week when I found out that uh, one in Vermilion uh, was euthanized after some laminitis, uh, about with laminitis. He won the Jerkins last year after the unfortunate um, euthanation breakdown of uh, New York Thunder. I remember walking up the track with Esteban Martinez, his trainer, who, who, who drove the horse to, from Minnesota to Saratoga, and it was his first grade one. And that was actually his last time he ever ran. So uh, sky point to one in Vermillion. Yeah, that was sad to hear. But uh, my final point, you all already blew through it. Churchill Downs, give it up. Put Bob Baffert in. Do yourselves a favor and let him back. He's got the best horses. The best horses should run in the Kentucky Derby. Racing fans deserve to see the best horses run on the biggest day, the biggest race that we have. And my last prop bet for horse racing is I'm making over and under two two years until Baffert runs again. Wow. Two. Wow. Two. I'll take under. Wow. I'm going to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right, guys. 
Appreciate it. All the best this weekend at the races. We're going to do it all over again next weekend. And, Dale, really, really good luck in that Gulfstream Park Turf Sprint Stakes with Coppola. Go get them, Dale. Go get them, Dale. Looks all right, like that is did. I Ask, They Answer with Dale and Tim. If you have a question you want to hear Dale and Tim debate, email it to me, Mike at HorseRacingRadio.net, and we'll get it worked into the show for you. I Ask, They Answer is presented every week by the University of Louisville Equine Industry Program and the College of Business. I'm back with more. This is the Equine Forum on the Horse Racing Radio Network, where racing comes to talk. Hi, Tony. Hey, Matthew. There's a reason why Tony Steaks and Seafood is my favorite restaurant. It's because I want to feel part of the family. Isn't that right, Tony? That's right. There's a saying on the wall that I truly believe in. There's always room for one more at our table. We just want you to be part of our family. And believe me, you will be. It's Tony Steaks and Seafood right across from Triangle Park. Visit them at TonySteaksAndSeafood.com. You're listening to the Equine Forum on HRRN, presented by Twin Spires. Well, remember that the February issue of Blood Horse features 140-plus pages, including Blood Horse Market Watch and so much more. Download a copy now from the Blood Horse Magazine app via the App Store or Google Play, or subscribe today and receive a 2024 Blood Horse calendar, which is a $24.95 value, and you get that absolutely free. Just go to bloodhorse.com slash HRRN. Well, my thanks to all of our guests for helping to make this show possible here today, including Joe Christofek with those three races to bet later today at Twin Spires, the Twin Spires Triple Play, Kurt Becker for a stroll through racing history, and Dale and Tim in the previous segment that you just heard I ask, they answer. If you missed any portion of the show, head back to the website, horseracingradio.net, to check out the podcast and do that on every podcast platform whenever you have some time, not just with this show, but with all of our shows. For my producer, Lee Delapina in our Lexington studio, for Chauncey handling all the social media again this week, I'm Mike Penna. Thanks for listening to the Equine Forum presented by Twins Buyers. Let's get this Super Bowl over so the Steelers can begin their run to the Super Bowl next year. <laughs>